Welcome back to the Gathering Place of All Nations. This Monday night, we were blessed to have the founder of Eagle Worldwide Ministries with us, Dr. Russ Moyer. Dr. Russ shared a great message about how to move while staying in your place. Let's check it out. Let's just lift our hearts to him. Father, we thank you for this moment in time. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. We ask you this night, oh God, to touch our ears that we would hear your word. Touch our eyes that we would behold your glory. Touch our hearts tonight that we would long for you. That we would hunger for your presence, for your face, for your kingdom. Set our hearts ablaze again tonight, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just completing a series on kingdom and kingdom reality. And you've heard me preach before on kingdom principles and practical application. These last few years have been challenging, to say the least. For every one of us, And I, I believe that Canada and the United States are two of the greatest nations in the world, one of the greatest places that you could possibly live. Whatever you do, stop complaining. Start being a little patriotic about this great nation. People from all around the world are desiring to come to Canada and the United States. I want you to know, no matter how bad it may seem, you all got it good. I'm talking about you all got it good. You need to go to some places in South and Central America. You need to go to some places that are in Africa. And you'll realize how good you really got it. So let's stop all the murmuring and complaining. That's what kept the Israelites out of the promised land. Anybody looking for a little walk in that place of rest? Looking to move over, cross over into the promised land? be a real good idea to stop the murmuring and complaining, glory to God. And you know, over the last 30 years, the apostolic and prophetic community has been prophesying, emphasizing, teaching wonderful kingdom messages and about kingdom culture. But we, the church, the people of God, in this moment in time, in this strategic and prophetic moment in time, Going through the chaos and the anarchy of everyday life and the attacks that have been going on from the outside and the inside, this has been one of the most dramatic and radical seasons of change and transition and transformation in the history of the church. That brings us to where are we now. I think everybody's talked about kingdom reset. And I say that we have to go beyond just a kingdom reset. Right now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to come to a place of kingdom reality. You got to stop talking kingdom. You got to start living kingdom. You got to live the reality of the kingdom, so that they can see there's something different with us. 
I believe that in the midst of all of these things that are going on, and I, I, I wish I could tell you things were going to get better tomorrow morning, that every day you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and everything's going to be wonderful. But that wouldn't be prophetic. That'd be a big lie. Because it's not going to happen that way. But in the midst of all of this, I'm going to tell you what. God's going to make a path forward for us, for his people, for his covenant people. He's going to make a way because he is a way maker. He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. He's going to bless us in such a way in the midst of all the things that are going on that the world is going to say, hey, what's the scoop with them people? And this is the scoop that we're his. He's ours. And we're in the kingdom and living this kingdom blessing. He came preaching the kingdom. He's restoring everything right now. The season that we're in prophetically is from Acts chapter 3. It's the restoration of all things. Times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Repent ye, he said. That's what we have to do right now. Every one of us. Repent. Turn again to God. Turn again to God's ways, to God's will, to God's purpose, to God's call that's on your life. To go back to the foundational truths that make us different. Forget all the newfangled nonsense. Somebody always got a, wants to make a new court. He said, you want the glory carried in on the shoulders of the priest, and he made all of us priests and kings under God. It's time that we get back to the foundational truth. That's what's going to make the difference. To find out about the power and the presence of the living God, how to access it, how to apply it to our lives. Get down to the fundamental truths of what Christianity is about. Begin to manifest this kingdom glory that's inside of us. Not to look like them or to blend in. There's this great thing somehow or another. We think that in order to change them, we have to blend in. And that's absolutely the worst thing that we can do. Is to blend in. We're called to be separated. We're called to be different. We're called to be unique. Unusual. Peculiar, he calls it. That part peculiar. Hello? We got that part down, I'm sure. But you know what? He's trying to separate us from the world so that those that are in need can see something different. If we look and act and talk and live like the world by the same principles, living by their standards of what success and failure is, rather than what the Word of God says, that's not kingdom living. That's a place of compromise. And all of us have stepped into a place of compromise one time or another. I want you to know that that place of compromise is a slippery slope. You start with one little thing, then another little thing. Oh, you know, I beat drinking a long time ago. Marijuana is legal. Wait a minute, what's the difference if I tote? Let's, you know, I, you know, I don't get drunk. I just, you know, just something to take the edge off. 
Something's real wrong with that baby. If you're really looking to serve him, let's serve him on him, his terms and not our own. This is a time for purity, for sanctification, consecration. Yet we're going to have a kingdom reset, and reset is changing our priorities to his priorities. Our ways and our thoughts to his ways and his thoughts. Because now we've walked so long amongst the things of the world and the world's way and the world's system. And sometimes you just can't tell us apart. That's not what it's all about. You know, as a prophetic person, I, I struggle with the same thing that everybody does, I'm sure. And, um, you know, you, you come up and you prophesy and you say, well, God's here. You know, because when I came to Canada, God was here doing that thing. Wasn't long after that, everybody came to there. And then I went over here and said, well, hey, that was nice, but God's here. And they said, no, you just said God was here. I said, yeah, God was there. But you want to come over here because God's doing something new today. And I want you to know that God is doing something new today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he's doing a new thing. But he is never going to leave those places of foundational truths. Every time we wander away from the foundations of our faith into some newfangled way and method and motive and heart, we're on a slippery slope of compromise. I'm going to share with you four lost keys to kingdom reality. And I'm going to hone into one that I think is probably the key for the remnant to walk in the fullness of who they are in this generation. You know, the Bible tells us that we have to love all men. It's a, it's, it's, it's a commandment that we, that we love our brothers, that we love our enemies even, Jesus came and said. But I don't have to walk and make covenant with everybody. I have to love everybody. But I have to choose my covenant partners at the prompting of the Lord. I want to choose who I follow and where I'm going. Because if the person that I'm following is not going where I'm going, I'm going to end up someplace I don't want to be. God's a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. He's all about covenant. Every foundational truth that's in the word is based in the old and the new covenant. He makes covenants. That's what he is. He makes covenants with men and women. Down through the ages, from the very beginning, all the way to the end of the book, God he's a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God, and it's all about covenant. Yet, for some reason, we're afraid to make a vow. A commitment, a covenant to God. Don't be afraid. You know, even when you hear the rumbling, just like the Israelites, and they heard the lightning and the storm, and, and they had fear in their heart, and they said, oh, you go up there, Moses. And he said, hey, don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of God. You have to have a good, healthy fear of the Lord. 
because that's the beginning of wisdom. And that fear of the Lord will also keep you from sin. If you have no fear of God, if you can sit and sin continually over and over and over again, then you think God must be tucked away in some place in heaven, doesn't see what you're doing. He loves us. That doesn't mean he loves everything I do. I have to choose the things that he loves. Oh, God's love. God's all about love. Yes. But there are also things God hates. And if I'm in covenant with him, I got to love what he loves and hate what he hates. He named six things or so that he really hated, like a lying tongue, like feet that ran quick, people that bring division. Hello? They're things he hates. I want to know what he hates and what he loves, because his enemies are my enemies and his friends are my friends. That's what covenant's about. I have to know what he wants, what he desires. I'm going to talk to you about these four keys that I believe are very important for us to walk out kingdom of reality in this moment in time. The number one missing key for a move of the spirit, for revival, for kingdom lifestyle, for us as a church, for the world to see him in us is humility. Humility. A humble heart and a contrite spirit he'll never turn from. I'm not talking about false humility. Oh, you know, God did it all. God did. You know what? God works through us. I'm not talking about that. He wants us to have a good, solid self-esteem. Can I get an amen? He wants us to encourage each other. You know, it, 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 you know sometimes we get the whole thing wrapped up in crazy nonsense. Before you know it, we're in the other ditch. He's trying to help us, but we have to have a humble heart. We have to turn to him. We have to turn away from our own thoughts, our own ways, our own methods, and turn toward him and his ways. We have to humble ourselves and confess our faults, our sin, our shortcoming. We can even do that to one another and pray for each other and be healed. Not just healed physically. Healed emotionally, healed financially, healed a lot of ways because we make a lot of errors in a lot of different areas. The object is to have a heart after God's own heart, which is a heart to repent. It doesn't mean you're not going to pay consequence just because you repented. Hello? We make bad choices. You're going to have to live by them choices. Right? But you know it's not... Eternal. If you know the one that can turn this thing around for you, if you turn again to him, just take one step toward him and see what he can do. There's times he's turned my mess into a miracle. And some of the worst times and moments and seasons in my life were the times that I had the greatest encounters with God, his love, his mercy, his grace, his favor, and his goodness. And every time it happens, all you can do is humble yourself and give him glory. 
Humility is the number one lost key to kingdom living. The next thing is honor. It's important. There's, there's people that go to schools that their whole deal is about honor. Yet they walk away. And they speak honor. And they teach honor. But honor is what honor does. Plain and simple. He said there's a generation that's coming that's going to serve them with their mouth but not with their heart. And we do that a lot of times with honor. We need never worship a man, worship God and God alone. But we need to honor the men and women that God has sent into our path. Our partners, our friends, our leaders, those that work with us. You know, some people, you know, talk about that Eagle Worldwide and all the amazing, and you know what, I thank God for the miracles and the moments and the memories that we've had together. And I'm so thankful that God would have allowed me to come to this country and birth Eagle Worldwide Ministries and all the places and things that have gone on. I could never have done it without God. But I also could have never done it without the men and women God sent me. I could have never done anything like this myself. He sent me people that were more talented, more intelligent, more relational, more knowledgeable in different areas that brought resources, time, and energy to the table. And they anted up. And when he called, we put it up. They put skin in the game. Sons and daughters, brothers and sisters that have walked in covenant relationship and paid a price so that God could do what God wanted to do. I remember somebody came to the camp one time and said how beautiful the camp was. How everything was kept so nice and the grass cut and the trees and all of that stuff. And they tell me how beautiful it was. And, you know, I said, it is. And, and God is wonderful beyond anything I could describe. But Jesus has seen this place when he had it all to himself. A lot of men and women put their hands in their heart, their skin in the game, their creativity and thoughts. We have to know how to touch people, how to encourage people, how to strengthen people, how to honor people. Because I can't get honor's reward unless I give honor. Because you and I are trapped in this, that God will not be mocked, that as a man sows, so shall he reap. After honor, covenant is so very important. And I've told you a little bit about it, but I want to cover covenant a little bit deeper for you in a few minutes. And then the final thing is the fear of the Lord. We've lost it in the body of Christ. And that's the beginning of wisdom. So we've been walking, for the most part, in worldly wisdom, trying to convert 
to the world system rather than kingdom thinking, kingdom living, kingdom principles. You got to go back to what those principles really are. There's a whole lot of principles, and I've talked to you many times about, about the principles. And the first principle of the kingdom, in my opinion, is Matthew 6, 33. How many of you know first things first? And it says there, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto thee. First, not second, not third, not fifth, not after your career, after this. He said first. Hello? One of my prayers is that Pastor Maeve would never put me before God and his kingdom and his righteousness. Because then we would be out of alignment. We, one of us or both of us would lose our covenant position. Because we have to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the other things. Your marriage, your family, your finances, the things you're looking for, your goals, your dreams, your hopes. When he talks about that, he's also talking about the birds in the field. The, 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 you know, hello. And the flowers and all of that. Come on. The grass. It's here today and gone tomorrow. If his eyes on the sparrow. Surely his eye is on you and I. And there's nothing more beautiful than a harvest field, a look of nature. Come on, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's put those things first. And dominion. Dominion is one of the kingdom principles. I'm not talking about lording over the way men and governments do, but by honoring and humble ourselves to one another, preferring someone else before self, but allowing our principles, our lifestyle, to take and bring Jesus into every area of our society. That transformation is going to take place and a kingdom reality is going to happen, but we have to live the kingdom. We have to walk the kingdom. We have to begin to cut off those things in our lives that are taking us astray and go in the right direction. We have to have kingdom vision and see things through his eyes instead of our own. There's a lot of kingdom principles, but tonight the part that I want to get to you about are these four, and I want to bring you to a place of a new creation reality. Of course, that makes it a true kingdom reality. It says, therefore, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses, but has committed to us the word, the call, the ministry of reconciliation. It was his ministry and it's ours. We have to be open 
to reconciliation, broken relationships. You say, well, how many times can I forgive that person? Well, when you get to seven times 70, call me. <laughs> and we'll see what happens after that. But there's a good chance they ain't bombed you seven times 70 yet. That means get back in the game, brush yourself off, <laughs> and forgive. Get yourself ready for what's about to happen. God's getting ready to show up on the scene. I'm going to be doing what he called me to do. I want to be living the kind of life that would allow me to lift my heart to him and be thankful that he saw me, not in regret because of all the things I didn't do. When I chose to serve him, and what I say to you tonight is I choose again to serve him all the days of my life. That means retirement plans and things like that. And like everybody else, I've thought about that a few times. Wandered around, rolled around, stayed up thinking about it. What's going to happen if this? What's going to happen with that? And I, that don't sound like a kingdom revelation to me. Yeah. In other words, when I said that to you, that I was going to go with my feet in the stirrups, Hello? By my idle words is how he'll judge me. I made a vow to God and said, I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. So there ain't that in the place. So what are you all worried about that for? Huh? We're all worried about the things, the same things that the world's worried about. We're worried about, so they're saying, what good is it to be in the church? They're as worried as we are. They're as broken as we are. We got to come to a kingdom reality that the king's in charge. And we got a covenant with him. And he's going to bless us in the midst of all of this crazy nonsense. That's called faith. Faith means I still can't see it, but I know that it's true. These keys are very important. Reconciliation is a big part. But you know what it really comes down to when you want to talk about what's the true sign of kingdom reality? It's living a crucified life. A life totally submitted to God. Not man, but submitted to God. It's being led by the Spirit. It's walking in faith. It's following in the footsteps of Jesus and being a real disciple. This remnant, this end-time church, this emerging church, this ecclesia, regardless of what you choose to call it, the pet thing of the moment, the family of God, the army of God, is being raised up in this season for the greatest harvest in history, for the greatest moment of all mankind. The one that every prophet prophesied about, we are here, we are now. Let's get this thing together. 
But don't you see all these? I bet that one. Forget about that one. Put them blinders on and go after Jesus. Don't you know what that guy said? Sometimes we don't move because we were offended. We don't leave our place because we were offended. We end up leaving our place because somebody else was offended. And we took on third-party offense. And here, the devil knocks us right out of our place. Hello? If you do that once, you'll do it continually. So you're going to constantly go around that, and it's going to become familiar to you. And if you react like that, the next place you go, you're going to have a little honeymoon. Even if that place is Sunday morning in your lounge chair, somebody's going to say something that's going to offend you, or they're going to call you and tell you how they got offended. And the next thing you know, you're going to take on their offense. And you'll step out of your place. And the devil knows that because he did it to you before. Do not leave your place. There's something powerful about your place. The place God called you to, the place God said you to, the place God planted you, that's the place of your provision. That's the place of your harvest. Don't allow nothing knock you out of your place. Because if anything can, it will. Any reason why they, I mean, they could come up with a million reasons why I should forsake the assembly of the brethren and not go into the house of the Lord this Sunday. I could make a list of 50 or more. You could probably make a list of way more than me. But no matter what you say, I am never going to leave my place. I'm going to stay in my place. So when he comes and calls me, you remember what they say? said, and he was in it. You know, when he came back to his hometown, he went to the synagogue. He went to the synagogue. Now, he went into the wilderness, led by the Spirit into the wilderness for the greatest battle and the greatest victory. Now he comes back up to his hometown, and he goes into the synagogue, it says, which was his tradition. It was his way. That was his place. Whether they rejected him or accepted him, he was in his place. Hello? They wanted to kill him. Everything he said that day was such an affront to the religious establishment. Hello? He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That word is being fulfilled today in your ears. Could you imagine how they were? They went crazy. Tried to throw him off the cliff. He didn't have a lot of people helping him, trying to keep him. They couldn't throw him off the cliff because it wasn't his time yet. You can only get thrown off the cliff when it's your time. There's a time. God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a journey. Stay in your place, do your deal. Face the enemy. Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So when I say your enemy, I'm not talking about a person. Our battle is flesh and blood. We got to learn to fight. And we have to learn how to stay our course in the midst of it so God can finish working the miracle for me. Amen? First of all, it's, it's going to 
look way different, this ecclesia, this end time church. Not the traditional church we're used to or the one that we grew up in, but this too is a new creation, kingdom reality. Regardless of what the setting or what the structure is, in order for it to really be kingdom, it has to have a local focus and a kingdom vision. It has to have a missionary heart because the number one commission that we have is to go ye. Said go ye. There's something about go ye that we don't quite understand. We have to go ye. We have to go make disciples of the nations. Is it going to be a house of prayer? A house for the outcast? A heart for reconciliation and a house for refreshing, revival, and restoration? Not a hospital, but a healing center, a teaching center, a training center, an equipping center. Something about a hospital where you get well and you go home. That ain't the scoop. It's a healing center where you get healed and you're made whole. You get equipped, you get empowered, you get enabled, you get free. You get discipled, you get mentored so you can stay free. You get equipped so you can set the captive free. If you don't want to set the captive free, then you missed the whole Messiah mandate that we're called to. Hello? He said, we're supposed to cast out demons in his name. We're supposed to heal the brokenhearted. We're supposed to do deliverance ministry just like he did. If we're going to walk and fix every disciple should have an understanding in the foundation of who they are that they have authority over demonic spirits that are operating and that are tormenting our brothers and sisters. Get out of the argument in the boardroom where they're trying to say whether a Christian can have a demon. Just look around and you know they're being tormented and harassed by depression, by sickness, by disease, by hurt by disappointment, by hopelessness. Suicide's knocking on their heart. And you're trying to know whether or not a demonic force can have a hold of them? Get out of the ditch, a banana. Get out of the cave. Cast out demons in his name. Bring healing and comfort and encouragement to his people. Build them up, encourage them, strengthen them. Speak the word of life to them. Don't sit down and cry another puddle of tears tears right next to me and agree with their problem or gossip to your cousin let's get right get ready to get out this is a good time I would think you know as we're moving forward this would be a good time to separate the sheep from the goat and the wheat from the tares don't you think I hope you've read those kingdom parables could he be I don't know everything about God. I know so little about God. I could, but I know one thing. He's doing a work in us right now, in our generation, in our midst, in our hearts. Anybody who is really legitimately loves God, they are going to turn fully and wholly to serve God in this generation. He's going to cut out all the compromise. Because where we're going is going to require a commitment. 
greater than the commitment we've ever made to any employer, to any city, to any nation, to, to any group of friends. It's going to require a great commitment, a great sacrifice, and a great responsibility. We've got to find out for ourselves, are we the kind of person? Are we coming every day for a withdrawal? For, are we coming to church for what God can do for me? Instead of, hey, look at all you've done for me. What can I do for you? What do you want to do in this neighborhood, in this community? What do you want to do with the people I'm going to meet tomorrow? Hello? The sooner we change our attitude, the sooner we're going to change our results. Because we'll change our behavior. But your attitude and mindset is what he's working on right now in the body of Christ. This house that he's building now is going to be a nesting place with something where both the family and the army of God are going to be raised up together. And it's going to have a generational mindset so that it all can blend and work together. Every generation. We're living in time. Let's say this is the generation. There are at least five generations living right now. Mm -hmm. You ever see them? They're here to live in right now. These generations have to blend together. I don't ever want to have just a youth church, just a young adult's church, just a senior's church, just a white church, just a black church, just a yellow church. By the way, I don't want to have just a Pentecostal church or just a Methodist church or just a Baptist church either or a Catholic church. I want all the barriers to come down. These barriers are all man-made and they're going to stay here. Just like the mantles that we're all running after, they're going to stay here in the earth, those barriers. When we go there, no barriers. You don't get a separate room because you're tongue-talking. Hello? We said, what? You don't believe in the Holy? Are you, you're talking to Brother Russ. Say, well, can I go to heaven without the Holy Ghost? I say, don't even go Tim Hortons without the Holy Ghost. Why would I want to go to Holy? Why would I want to? Are you kidding me? But that, that doesn't give me anything special in heaven, any exclusive place. Hello? We're all going to worship him together. Why not start the dress rehearsal, which is now? Accept them for what they are, what they bring to the table. Yeah, I was raised Catholic. Catholics have great faith. You want to see some miracles? Get Catholics to come to the meeting. They got great faith. Otherwise, how could they believe that doctrine? You got to have great faith for that doctrine or stuff. Hello? That's before I read the book, book. 
But you know what? God loves Catholics. He loves priests. He loves the bishops. He loves the fancy stuff, the plain stuff. He loves it all. He loves all of us. Why do we keep trying to build up walls and barriers to separate us from our brothers and sisters? For some reason, I don't think that that's the plan of God. That, to me, sounds like the plan of the devil. That everything he does is to try to bring disunity, to rob us of the command of blessing that if we are one, and to try to take away the prayer that Christ prayed. You know, the Lord's Prayer is not a scripture there with the Our Father. The Lord's Prayer was in John 17, that you would be one that we would be in unity. That's the prayer that he prayed for us. That's the prayer that he prayed for his disciples, but even those that are yet to come, which was us, that we would be one. So can we at least come to agreement in that and allow the brethren to come together? Come on. This isolationism doesn't make any sense. We're divided against ourselves. we'll bring our own demise. A house divided in itself can't stand. It'd be a house of worship, restoring the tabernacle of David, which is radical worshiping God. Doesn't mean you have to dance or sing or play a harp or play the thing, but you got to worship God with your heart. It's about worship. Usually you want to move something. You now if you if you can't get up and dance, run around, but you really just wiggle your toes and tell him how wonderful he is. Just let him know that you're worshiping him. Hello? You don't gotta worship like me. But whatever you do, don't make fun of how I worship or how somebody else worship. You remember what happened to David's wife? From that point on, she was barren. So if you see a guy who's all pious, a monk, sits and prays day and night, stop making fun of him. Hello? Be careful what you're saying. He's worshiping in silence. The God that can speak. And the whole world moves. Be careful what we say. You know what? I told you I was raised Catholic. And, and you know, a, a lot of times Catholics, when they first come out, all of a sudden, oh, all the stuff about Mary and Mary, this Mary. Hello? Keep your big mouth shut. That's his mama. Hello? His church is his bride. He's engaged to, he's in love with. And now you want to start ranking on his mama. You know what happens in the locker room? You start ranking on my mama. You're looking for trouble. Let's get our head right here. And it's okay. You're allowed to smile when I say something like that. It's okay. Ain't nobody going to spank you. Boy, I spanked a couple yesterday. Oh, my goodness, it was good. Glory to God. It's time. This apostolic center is a go-ye center, or else it's not apostolic at all. Because 
Apostle, in its root sense, means the sent one. But you have to be ready and willing to go and answer that call. Don't let anyone else call you. Don't let anyone else discourage you. Don't let their opinion keep you from being ready and willing to go. And obediently move when he says. Because if you're willing and obedient, you're going to reap, baby. If you're obedient but you're not willing, or you didn't do something just so you, and then you can't. So you can't be willing. I want to continually put my life in alignment so that whatever he says, I can be willing and obedient in that moment. Everything else, that's why I go around. First three years I was here, all I do is cut the soul ties off every Christmas Eve, every New Year's Eve. Right? I didn't want nothing dangling, nothing holding me back. I wanted to be free like the wind, free to follow the Spirit. I make my choices based on that. I, I don't concern myself with what you did. I, I have no authority over that. But I have authority over this. And I take authority over this. All those vain imaginations. All those thoughts that would get me off track. That would keep me from my gifting and calling. Hello? It's about choices and decisions and making the right ones. A missionary with most denominations originally called apostles were missionaries for many, many years. However, it's not just to foreign fields, but locally, nationally, and internationally. To people groups, to nations, to the wayward, to the wonder, to the neighborhood, to your workplace. The mission field begins at the door. If you're called as a missionary and God said to you 10 years ago, you're a missionary, you're going to go to the foreign mission fields. Really? Right? Did he really say that to you? You know what? You're in the mission field now. Let me give you a little awakening. And if you're faithful with that little bit you got now, he's going to give you more. Let's just think at it. Let's think for a minute like a guy from Philly, little Italian dude. This lady's telling me she's going to mission field. She heard me. She's going to India and Africa and all these places. That she's a missionary. That she's going to win souls for me. Wow. She ain't doing nothing. Why would I send her to the mission field? To go to witness to to witches and warlocks, to Satanists. Hello? When she won't even go across the street in Canada where you're free to testify and witness. They won't, she won't even talk to somebody in the desk next to her. What makes you think if she goes to India, she's going to set the world on fire for Jesus? Now, for the time, for Philly could figure that out, I'm pretty sure God knows whether or not we really have a missionary heart and are willing to speak the name of Christ 
And if we do it here and we're faithful in this, it's no problem for him to open up the doors to the nations. You ain't waiting on him. He got a lot of work to be done. He's waiting on us to make a choice, to make a decision, to make a commitment. You don't think he's about commitment? He is all about commitment. You think this life has no responsibility, this life in Christ has no responsibility? You must be a fool. And think that, that, that God is not righteous and not, not real. He's not going to be mocked. He has infinite intelligence. He sees all the weird stuff we do and he still loves us. But that doesn't give us a license to sin and disobey and live like the world lives. I can't think about cleaning up the church. I got to think about cleaning up me. This fire got to burn in me. This fire that burns away my desire to sin, my desire to compromise. I can't save you. I couldn't even save myself. How can I save you? This is about you and Jesus Christ. How are you living before God today? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you drinking? What are you, what are you smoking? Some of the attitude they got, I'm questioning what in the world they're smoking. Hello? Cut it out. And don't let me just stop there. How about prescription medication that you know you don't need no more, but what you doing with it for pain? Hello? There are more people that are on painkillers and medication that they don't need that are under addiction and the power of addiction than are under anything else. Just because it's legal doesn't make it right. I have choices and decisions to make, and so do you. I have to build an altar in, in my heart. If you establish an apostolic base that doesn't go anywhere and do anything and extend and advance the kingdom, you got a social club, not a church. Everybody wants to come to the spaghetti dinner. Ain't nobody wants to go to work. By the way, work is not a dirty word. He met Adam at work. Don't be afraid to put your hand to the plow. Wake up. Do something with your life. Give him something to bless. You know, everybody wants that hundredfold return. Do you really want a hundredfold return? And, and how many of you really believe we get a hundredfold return? Glory to God. Me too. Right? But if I give zero of time and energy, effort, creativity, I got zero time a thousand. I still got a thousand. I still got zero. Give him something to bless. You got angels trying to help fulfill your destiny. Give them something to do. Declare the word. Have God release them to open up the doors that you're going to be willing and obedient to walk through. Even if it's not a convenient day, time, or moment in your life.
You got to be real. If we're not going to be real now with each other, when are we going to be real? It's something else about being real. You got a heart for souls. There's a bunch of people for a lot of different reasons. And in church, they love Jesus. They want an assignment from God. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Go get him and bring him home. You hear me? I said, go get him and bring him home. Bring him to a safe place. Bring him to a place where they can experience the power and the presence and the glory of God. Give him a place where they can worship with their brothers and sisters. Give him a place where, where the word can be taught and brought into their heart and they can be discipled. Bring him to a place where they have help and support and strength. Right now, they've wandered away from the flock and they're easy for the wolf to get. You don't think the wolf's walking around out there? Go get them. Bring them back home. Every time you bring back one of them, all of heaven's going to sing just as loud. Hello? Because they're in their place and they're back home. And the father is going to put a ring on their finger, hmm? kill the fatted calf, and rejoice with you. Don't be critical of them. Don't beat them up. Bring them home. Create a place that they can feel safe. Create an environment that God can inhabit. Raise up sons and daughters that will disciple others and go to the nations and answer their call. Go to the widows, the orphans, the poor, to those who can't pay you back. And you say, well, there ain't too many poor people in Aurora. I say, praise God. You don't have to go far if you're looking to find poor people. He don't just want the up and out. He wants the down and out. He wants them all. We're all his people. Bring them in, bring them home. If you're going to, you're going to have to de demonstrate the kingdom, reality in your own life. They'll see it. You don't got to tell them how wonderful you are. Hello. Just demonstrate the kingdom and the love of God. You don't have to beat them over the head with a Bible. You're going to see a bunch of family and friends over the holidays. Don't eat this. Don't touch that. Don't do this. This is this. Right, sir. Oh, now, somebody's going to pray grace. They pray 10 minutes. They pray over the food. And the young kid's sitting there thinking, when's this guy going to stop? Is he taking an offer or is he going to let me eat? <laughs> Will you cut that religious nonsense out? Quit beating the people up. Just show them the love of Jesus Christ. Show them a life that's consecrated to Jesus. You're going to be surprised if you act relatively normal before God and man, how good this thing can get. Relatively normal. You ain't got to even be normal, just relatively normal. Stop the shenanigans. Look in the mirror. Would you follow you? If not... It's time to change. It's time to change. <laughs> if you're looking in that mirror and you ain't listening to you, there's probably a reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
glory to God. I love you. I want to bring you a nice little lubby-dubby kingdom reality message tonight, all sweetie pie stuff. But you, I would tell you what, if you were at Jehovah Jireh yesterday morning, I would have took a strip about like that about that wide. Glory to God, it was so good that all I wanted to do was get before God and tell him how sorry I was for all the things I've done, all the moments, so I could get a clean slate. Whatever you do tonight, Make sure you walk out of this room with a clean slate. Don't leave anything on your heart. Don't carry any grudges, any unforgiveness. Don't carry it outside with you. Leave it here. The remedy is here. The blood of Jesus Christ. The power of the cross. He said when we confess our sin, he's faithful and true, not just to forgive us of our sin, but the cleanses of all that unrighteousness. I don't have to wear a fancy collar and a hat to say your sins are forgiven. You got an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. He's the one that forgives your sin. Tell it to him. Surely he's in this place. You were here during worship. Could you feel his presence? Surely he's here. If there's anything that's on your heart right now, anything that you've done that you say, God, this is still lingering on me. This is still holding me down. This is still tying me down. I've tied myself to this world, to the thoughts and the mind of this world. I want to bind my mind to you. Forgive me for what I've done. The only sin he won't forgive tonight in this room is the sin you refuse to confess. Because his name is faithful and true. And he said, when we confess our sin, he's faithful and true to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of that unrighteousness, that root of iniquity. Maybe we've been on the edge. Maybe we've been on the border. Maybe we've been on a slippery slope. Maybe we've been talking about his mama, talking about his bride. I don't know what was. Maybe you came here tonight with the purpose in your heart to recommit yourself to an honest life of being a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's why you came, that's why you're here, or that's what you want to do. This is our opportunity for me and you to get right. Just get right. He's going to put everything behind us. And we get a new start and a new heart. Right now, if there's anything that's on your heart, anything you've done, every, anything you weren't able to do, anything you could have done and didn't do or should have done, I want you to leave all those regrets behind you. I want you just to confess them right now. Lay them at his feet right now. Maybe somebody been bombing you, bombing your family, bombing you on Facebook. Maybe it's somebody that got a whole different political agenda than you have, and all of a sudden they've become your enemy. You have to repent of that. I have to be able to love my enemy.
Doesn't mean I walk in covenant with him. But if I can't pray for him, I got a problem. Not a problem with them. I got a problem with God. He said, hey, you're looking for something? Put your sacrifice on the altar and go and make it right. If I can't pray for him, I sure can't go and make it right. Right now, if there's any unforgiveness in your heart toward anybody, anybody in the world, if somebody walked in this room and you couldn't hug them, if every time you say their name, something jumps in your spirit that's nasty, then it's still there. What you need to do tonight is confess that. He said, forgive. Pray even for enemies. If there's any forgiveness, unforgiveness in your heart, if there's any envy, jealousy, greed, ungodly ambition, relationships you've made with the world and covenants you've made with the world that don't honor God, compromises, what you're watching, what you're listening to, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, just give it to him right now. He's here to take it away. That's the burden. He's the burden bearer. They're the burdens. Sometimes people say to me, it's hard serving God. No. It was hard when I was serving the devil, serving myself, and serving sin. He's the burden bearer. Just give it to him right now. He's going to lift that off of you right now. Maybe it's a repetitive sin. Maybe it's generational sin. Maybe it's pornography, and you got all the reasons why ain't nobody getting hurt. Trust me when I tell you, you're getting hurt and you're hurting God. As a matter of fact, we're either going to serve him now or we ain't. You don't come out here on a Monday night because it's Sunday go to meet in church time. You come out because you want to do business with God. If you want to do business with God and you have something you want to give him, something you want him to help you with, some burden you want him to carry, just lift your hand to him right now. Let him see your hand. Don't worry about somebody else that got their hand. If somebody else got their hand, they're fool enough to think that they're a man ain't got no sin. They're calling God a liar. Every man sins. Just give him that. Let him take it away. Let him wash it away. Let him make you new. Let him take the burdens of self. And maybe you forgave everybody else, but you didn't forgive yourself. Forgive yourself now. Just lift your hand. Take that forgiveness, accept it, and receive it. Don't go back looking for it and hunting. Go fishing for it. You're going to find a barracuda. Just lift your hand right now. Tell him you're sorry. Tell him in your own words you're sorry. You don't got to hear my words. He wants to hear your voice. Tell him right now in your heart. He hears your heart. He knows every thought, every emotion, everything you've ever done or said. Just tell him right now, I'm sorry. You know the things, eh? You know what it is that's keeping you from fully serving God. This is the time to get it out of the way. He's the way maker. And take it out of the way. Father, I thank you for the power that's in your blood. I plead the blood of Jesus over myself, my brothers, my sisters, over everyone in this place, everybody that's watching online, over everybody that has a heart to serve you. 
Lord, right now, just wash away the sin. You see our hands and you know our heart. And you know our heart's desire. In our weakness, show yourself strong on our behalf. You know there are certain times that I've not been able to fully love or trust enough so that I could. I ask you, Father, forgive me. Help me to love your way. Help me to honor your way. Help me to live your way. Whatever your heart's desire is right now, because he says when you delight yourself in him, the desires of your heart. I'm not talking about a new car, Learjet limousine, asking for something worthwhile, something that's not going to perish when the trumpet sounds, or the wind blows, or the fire comes. Asking for something important right now. Something that has true and deep meaning for you that comes into alignment with his will. He said, anything that I ask that's according to his will, forgive me. That blood washed away your heart. Every sin that you confess to him has been washed away and it's clean. So now you can lift up holy hands and worship him. You can come to his throne with clean hands and a pure heart. Not as a beggar, but as a son or a daughter. Just ask him now. Maybe you've got a child in harm's way. I'm not talking about at war. I'm talking about their soul is at stake. That you don't know if they're really serving God. Ask him now. Asking for souls. Souls are not just S-O-U-L-S. They're people, they're friends, they're relatives. Ask them by name. He said, ask me for the nations. I'm going to call them all by name. Is there anybody on your heart right now? Right now, just lift them up. Lift that name up. Lift that person up. Lift that thing up that would glorify God. We are, Lord. Father, I pray. I pray that your hand of blessing, your hand of favor would rest upon every one of us and everyone listening, everyone afar off. I, I ask that your hand of favor would be on us and that everywhere we go during this Christmas and New Year season, that we would bring hope and life and healing and encouragement and strength. that we would bring you the hope of glory that lives in us to bear in every relationship. Father, I thank you that this is going to be a year of reconciliation and restoration in the homes and the families of every one of us now that are worshiping you, that are honoring you, that are glorifying you. You said you were going to restore 
restore us now. You said not just us, but us and our whole family. We ask you for them now. For our sons, for our daughters, for our neighbors, for our co-workers, for our fellow Canadians, for our neighbors to the south, to those around the world, different color, different background. We ask you for them now. Jesus' mighty name and the only name that can save, the only name that can heal, the only name that can set free, the name that's above every other name. I declare the name of Jesus over their homes, over their families, over their finances, over their lives and relationships. I declare favor in that bold and great mighty name, Jesus. Jesus, what a beautiful name. Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, lead us, guide us, direct us, and protect us. Today, tomorrow, the next day. Finish this work that you began in our hearts tonight. Let us walk it out. Give us strength. Make us whole. If you need healing in your body, just lift your hand. There's a healer in the house. I believe the power laying on the hands, but I know that there's power in his word. There's power in declaration and proclamation. I declare healing now, wholeness now. I declare healing over liver problems and heart problems over emotional problems. In the name of Jesus Christ, I break the spirit of infirmity. I command you now, I bind you and I command you now to, to bow your knee. The spirit of infirmity right now, the spirit of death and sickness and illness and disease, I bind you in Jesus' name. The spirit of cancer, I command you to be bound in the name of the Lord. Father, I thank you that angels are going to just come and take them away. And I thank you, Lord, now that your healing power is going to be ministered to each one of us into our hearts. I declare peace, shalom peace. I declare true shalom peace. That's healing in every way, true peace. Peace to sleep, peace to love peace to go, peace to stay, right now, Father, your peace that goes beyond all understanding, that in the midst of the storm, that you are the eye of the storm, and there's peace in you. for that perfect posture, perfect place. I thank you, Lord, that in dreams and visions and revelation knowledge, I declare, Lord, that they are moving their prophetic gifting, that they'll have dreams and visions, that in their prayer life, they'll hear your heart and your purpose and your will. I release it now in the name 
of Jesus Christ, who is the giver of the gifts. Let him have the gift of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Oh God, we need to discern you in the midst of all of this. We would have discernment that all the gifts and all the power of the Holy Spirit would be stirred. Father, from every teacher, every pastor, every mentor that came from your heart into ours, Father, I ask that you stir them again like the wind stirs in the mulberry tree. All that stuff that settled to the bottom and we were willing to settle for, Father, stir it up again in us. Let a fresh fire burn in our heart. A fresh desire, a fresh hunger for your presence, for your power. That we would long for your presence like the deer by the water. As the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. Meet their every need, Lord. You are a shepherd. We will serve you all the days of our life. If you want to tell him right now that you want to serve him all the days of your life, just say that to him right now. Just say it to him now. That you want to serve him all the days of your life. Here we are, Lord. Let every burden, every care, every fear lift right now. Death and suicide, mourning and grief lift now in the name of the Lord. Depression, sadness, sorrow, hopelessness lift right now. Let every care, every fear, let it lift now. Fear, fear of poverty, fear of illness, fear of disease, fear of death. Fear, you have no right, you have no authority, you were conquered, fear. And death, you were conquered, and I command right now that you lift and loose your hold now. Now. Healing and wholeness, love and hope. If you've never publicly committed your life to Jesus Christ, just lift your hand. Maybe you said it in private, maybe you've been hanging out in church, but you actually never said that Jesus is the Lord of your life. That he's your savior and that you know that he's alive. The word says, when I declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that Jesus is alive, that he's here, that he's now, that he's real, then I have eternal life. Maybe the devil's been trying to rob you of that blessing. Maybe the devil would try to say, now nah, you ain't really saved, all out of nonsense. You ain't got the Holy Ghost. That's just a devil lying. If he'd been messing with your head and your salvation's been tried and tried and tried again, just lift your hand now to confirm that. Confirm your faith. Confirm your commitment. Just lift it right up to him. You are the Lord of my life. You're the Lord of my life. And I know that you live, that our God lives, 
that our God rules, that our God reigns. Bless him, guide him, direct him, and protect him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to wish every single one of you a, a very Merry Christmas and a joyous Christian, a Christmas that's going to allow you be who you are and to share the love of Jesus with your friends and relatives and everybody you meet. You know what, sometimes, you know, you look at people and you think, they're, well, they feed in 100 or 200 or 700 or 800. Do what you can. Feed somebody. Feed them love, encouragement, strength. Embrace them. Love them a little bit. Give what you got. Just like the little kid with his lunch. Whatever you have, just give that. That's all. Maybe it's only a hug. But maybe that's a hug that they need to keep them from quitting life. We don't know. We're just called to give. I love you. I appreciate you. And the wonder of what God's done in your life and all the miracles and memories. Pastor Maeve and I are so thankful for all the time that we've had together. Wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy, prosperous, and healthy New Year. I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor John. I'll be around yet and pray if someone needs prayer. And Pastor John has the whole team here to pray with you, too. By the way, it ain't about me praying for you. It's about God healing you, setting you free, meeting your need. We can pray for each other. He's the healer. We sow the seed, we reap the harvest, but he's the one that gives growth and life and health. Let's get our eyes off another man and get our eyes on God. God bless you and you have a great Christmas season. I love you. We want you to experience all of what God has for you. Make sure to visit us in person and check out www.tgpoa.com for info on how to find us. Thanks for listening.